0: Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit echoeygt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at echoeygt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. It is so good to see you today in the house of the Lord. And those who have joined us by live stream, thank you for inviting us into your home. Take your Bibles out and turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. I trust you received your sermon notes as you came in this morning, and you'll notice the title of my thoughts are this, God will protect his plan. How many are thankful that God is going to protect his plan? (laughs) You are a part of his plan. God's going to protect you, amen? God's going to protect his purpose, He will do it despite what you are going through. Despite the climate of today, God is going to protect his purpose and his plan. Acts chapter 12, begin reading in verse 1. We're going to cover the whole chapter, but really concentrate on the first few verses. The New Living Translation says, About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the Apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. Now notice the reason he arrested Peter. Because he saw what he had done pleased the Jewish people, pleased the populace. So he was going to do more of the same. Now, Luke gives the parenthesis statement This took place during the Passover celebration So it explains some of the delay of Why he didn't have Peter killed immediately Is because the Passover was there Celebration lasted about seven days So, so it would be a great offense to the Jewish people For, for the, the king to, to kill someone by the sword during the Passover So verse 4 says He imprisoned him placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Hmm, must have been afraid he might escape or something, huh? Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Well, that's pretty bleak. The first four verses are tough. First four verses talk about a political climate that is really rough. You think things are tough today, Let me tell you, I wouldn't want to live in this era. But things begin to change. Notice verse 5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Let us pray. Father, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here today. Open our hearts. Give us ears that would hear what the Holy Spirit is saying. God, speak to us. God, speak to our hearts. Speak speak to the situation that each of us are going through. Lord, speak to us as a corporate body, but also individually with what each one of us are facing. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, let's talk about the political climate. Not today's political climate. Let's talk about the political climate here in Acts chapter 12. You know, politics deals with the governance of a nation, And people and Luke opens chapter 12 by setting the scene of the political climate of the day and the New Living Translation simply says about that time about what time as the church is advancing growing and expanding into new territories now let me give you kind of a timetable Most theologians believe that this took place somewhere between A.D. 42 and A.D. 46. Now, if Christ was crucified around A.D. and resurrected around A.D. 30, this is about about 12 to 15 years after Pentecost, after the church was established and the church was growing and great things were happening. And about this time, as the church is advancing, growing, and expanding into new territories, this persecution breaks out. Now, it's not new to the church because they had walked through some very tough, difficult situations before. Matter of fact, the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says, says the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus everywhere, everywhere. Why were they scattered? Because because persecution broke out in Jerusalem. So as persecution broke out in Jerusalem, they scattered throughout the known world of the day. But, But wherever they went, Luke said, they preached the good news about Jesus. Can I tell you something? No matter what you face, no matter where you go, may you take the gospel of Jesus with you. No matter how difficult things may become, no matter what the reason is that you may be going through what you're going through, may you always hold forth the gospel of Jesus Christ. May you always speak and declare the good news of Jesus. Can somebody give God praise? So about this time, let's back up a few verses to chapter 11 of Acts and let's get a little scene. Verse 20, Luke says, however, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. So you see that, hey, it's not just about the Jews believing in Christ. Now the Gentiles are believing in Christ. It says the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So you're seeing some of the structure of the early church. There in Jerusalem, the leaders talking about the apostles. You know what? They heard about revival. They heard about these Gentiles being saved. They heard about what was taking place in Antioch. So they sent Barnabas there. They wanted to encourage the believers. Let me tell you, watch this. Verse 23, when he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing. You know, when God is moving, there's evidence. When God is moving, there's going to be some fruit. Did you hear me? <laughs> is there some fruit in your life? When God's moving, there's going to be fruit of the activity of God. Church, we need the fruit of the activity of God in our life. Can you say amen? amen. So he saw the evidence of God's blessing. He was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Now, what is so powerful is he's... he's He's seeing Gentile converts coming to Christ. They've had a different worldview than the Jews in Jerusalem, but Barnabas is there to encourage them, encourage them to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Can I tell you what we need today? We need men and women who are, who are good and full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Our society needs some Barnabases, amen? We need some men and women who are just good, old-fashioned good people, amen? But full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. Many were brought to the Lord. And then it says, I love verse 25, Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, that's a sermon all by itself. Now, Theologians tell us that Saul, after his conversion, he went back to Tarsus. This is probably about 10 years after his conversion. And Barnabas is going to look for Saul because Barnabas needs a little bit of help. And it says that he returned with Barnabas to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. And during this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them was named Agabus. He stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. You know what I observe about the early church? They were a generous church. They were a generous people. You know, when you realize the kindness of God, that he has saved you, redeemed you, filled you with the Holy Spirit, you can't help but be generous. Listen, one of the byproducts of the work of Christ in your life is you are generous in the kingdom of God. Generous with your resources. Generous with your tithe and offerings. But generous with your time because you realize, but for God, you would be there. But the Lord has saved you, called you, filled you with his Holy Spirit. And what is so powerful is the church. The church is a generous church. So they entrust their offering with Paul and Barnabas, or Saul and Barnabas, to take it to the elders in Jerusalem. Now, a lot of historians believe the time period of this this situation was somewhere in the spring of 42 A.D. and could be as late as 46 A.D. While all of this was happening, while all this was taking place, revival was happening, good things were taking place, there's King Herod Agrippa, and he's wreaking havoc in the early church. Matter of fact, he takes one of the apostles, James, and he has him killed with the sword. Now, if you study that carefully, most believe. That means he was beheaded for his faith. Beheaded because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. Josephus, many of you know that name, Josephus. He was a Jewish historian in the first century period. A Jewish historian writes this about Agrippa. He, He says he made every attempt to please the Jews particularly currying the favor of the influential Pharisees because he wanted to stay in power. He was concerned about his political standing. Write this under C. So it's not surprising that Agrippa began to persecute believers in the church. King James puts verse 1 this way. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Notice that old English word, to vex, to lay one's hands upon. This diabolical plan of the leader who was a product of his times was to attack the church at its head by attacking the leaders of the church. Now, as we talk about the political climate of the first century, may we today, may we pray for our leaders. It's important you pray for our leaders, our national leaders, our president, his family, his cabinet, our senators and congressmen and women. It's important that we pray for our national leaders. It's also important you pray for your spiritual leaders. You pray for your spiritual leaders in the local church and also in the national level. Pray for those in authority. If we've ever been reminded, we need to pray for those in authority today. May we also, when I read this, I I thought, may we remember the suffering among us. There are people suffering right now among us. There are people that are going through some very difficult situations right now. Their world, their life has been turned upside down. Let's pray for the suffering among us. Verse 1 also reminds me of the persecuted church in the world today. Pray for the persecuted church in Sudan. Pray for the persecuted church in Cuba. Pray for the persecuted church in Africa. Pray for the persecuted church in lands where where they can't publicly uh, profess Christianity. Pray for the persecuted church in China. Pray for the persecuted church in Russia. We must pray for the persecuted church in the world today. And may we seek for peace and safety for all. Now let's talk for a few moments about decisions to appease the populace. It's a challenge when we have leaders and leadership that make decisions based upon political expediency. He had the apostle James, John's brother kid with the sword, when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people. He said, I'm going to arrest Peter. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads and four soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. Do you think there was going to be much of a trial? He was going to bring him out for execution. Let's talk about James, killed with the sword. Now, what do we know about this apostle, James? We know that he's the brother of John. James and John. James was the first apostle martyr, probably around 42 to 40, uh, 45 AD. He was a part of what, what we call in the New Testament the inner circle. Often Jesus with his 12, he drew, withdrew from them. And there were three disciples you found most often with Jesus. Peter, James, and John. So John or James was in the so-called inner circle among the apostles with Peter and John, and they were privileged to eyewitness the transfiguration of Christ in Matthew 17. Can you imagine that wonderful salt, that sight that James was able to see? They were also among the privileged few apostles that witnessed Jairus' daughter being raised from the dead. Mark 5 verse 37 says Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anybody go in except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So James was there when, when Jesus spoke to Jairus' daughter and life returned to her dead body. He was there in the garden of Gethsemane on the night that Jesus was betrayed and arrested You know, we know a little bit about the temperament of James also. We know that he was a fisherman. We know that he and his brother John were called sons of thunder, no doubt because he was outspoken for Christ. Now, it could have been his outspokenness and boldness for the gospel that got him into trouble with Agrippa. Some believe that James could have been an outspoken critic of Agrippa's ruthless leadership. Now, what you look at and what you learn from our passage is Agrippa believed in political expediency over doing the right thing. When Herod saw how this pleased the Jewish people, he arrested Peter. His intention was not to stop with the murder of James. So he arrested Peter. Now, let me give you some thoughts concerning the political climate of the first century church and how this can apply to our situation and circumstance today. Let us elect or reelect leaders who are committed to leading by doing the right thing and not by simply leading what pleases the populace. As we can see from our passage, when you lead from popular opinion, people's lives become expendable. We need leaders who will not simply lead for the sake of being liked, but lead because it's the right thing for America. May we seek leaders who will not lead from an appeasement standpoint, but from a righteous standpoint. Nothing will harm a people, a nation, or a group of people more than leaders who lead without a moral compass who are seeking to be liked more than they are seeking to do right. We don't need leaders who will be drunk on position and power, but who seek the higher power of faith, faith in God and faith in Jesus Christ. So may we pray for our nation to hold to Judeo-Christian values and principles. Let us ask the Lord to give us leaders who will value life, every life and who will seek morality and human dignity for all. Let's encourage believers with strong biblical convictions to be engaged in public arena in order to preserve Judeo-Christian values. Now let's talk about the third thing. There is hope. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there is hope. Even when you read the first four verses and it looks like what a dark day, what a difficult season, there is hope. There is hope today. Even in what you may feel like may be the toughest moment in our nation's history, there is hope. Maybe you're facing something personally and you feel like the darkness has surrounded you. I'm here to tell you there is hope in Jesus Christ, no matter what you are facing today, as long as God is upon the throne, he will protect his plan, he will protect his purpose, and there is hope in Jesus Christ. Can somebody give God praise? Now, I love verse 5, but while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Now, the opening of verse of chapter 12 is very concerning. It's very challenging. But verse 5 begins to tell a different story. Let's talk about the posture of the church. The posture. It says the church prayed earnestly for him. Get that statement. The church prayed The church prayed. It's more than a statement. It's a position. This showed the church's dependence, their trust in God, their belief in the goodness of the Father. It demonstrated their posture. Hear me. We are not helpless as long as we know how to pray. Did you hear me? We are not helpless as long as we know how to pray to pray something happens when God's people pray something takes place when God's people Amen. pray miracles can happen when we pray the supernatural can be displayed when we pray yes. Alvin Vandergrind is the co-founder of the Denominational Prayer Leaders Network and he writes Prayer is our supreme weapon against evil By prayer, we can stop Satan's attacks, foil his schemes, and lessen his effectiveness. By prayer, we assault the devil's stronghold, build the kingdom of God, and send workers into the harvest field. Prayer, real prayer, is Satan's undoing. Did you hear me? Prayer, real prayer, is Satan's undoing doing he writes this one of my favorite quotes on spiritual warfare comes from the book the kneeling Christian and he quotes there is nothing the devil dreads so much as prayer his great concern is to keep us from praying someone has wisely said Satan laughs at our tolling mocks at our wisdom but trembles when we pray Church, I think it's time we make the kingdom of darkness tremble. I think it's time that we keep on praying. There is hope in Jesus Christ. Whatever place you find yourself, there's hope. Whatever side on the political agenda, understand. There's hope in the name of Jesus Christ. You can pray and prayer changes things. The enemy trembles when the people of God pray. Well, no wonder the Apostle Paul told the church of Thessalonica, never stop praying. (laughs) Hear me. You might be struggling. Never stop praying. You might be discouraged. Never stop praying. You may feel like, oh, things are not gonna turn around. Never stop praying. You may feel like it's a dark hour. Never stop praying. You may feel like you're imprisoned. Uh, never stop praying. Uh, things happen when God's people pray. Things happen when you as a family pray. A husband and wife, a family, sons and daughters get together and pray. Are you facing some impossible challenges? Pray. Never stop. Stop praying. My message today is never stop praying. God will protect his plan when the church of Jesus Christ prays. Agrippa was in charge. The political climate was horrible. He had a leader of the church killed, but the church never stopped praying. We must never stop praying praying we must believe in the goodness of God God is for us God is fighting our battles never stop praying can somebody give God praise Amen. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion pray in the spirit <laughs> God's given you a prayer language pray in the Holy Ghost God's given you a prayer language pray in that prayer language pray in the Holy Ghost At all times and in every occasion every situation Philippians 4 6 don't worry about anything Instead pray about everything Mm. Maybe we need to quit worrying so much and start praying praying Luke writes in chapter 12 verse 4 and 5 He imprisoned him, talking about Peter, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Herod imprisoned him. To make matters worse, maybe he had heard how the apostles were delivered before. Maybe he heard how some of them kind of escaped from prison, so he wanted to make sure Peter was not going to escape. So he got four squads of four soldiers each. And in verse 6, it informs us Peter was fastened with chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Get this picture in your mind. He was securely locked away as much as possible in the first century. But the church prayed. (laughs) But the church prayed. (laughs) But the church prayed. I'm sure. I'm sure there was some fear. I'm sure there was some apprehension. I'm sure they were concerned. I'm sure in their own mind, their world had gone mad. It was turned upside down. But they prayed. But they prayed, and it says they prayed very earnestly. That phrase, very earnestly, in the original means, fervently, continuously, with much zeal and intensity. It wasn't a nursery rhyme prayer. I mean, they were getting loud. I mean, they were, they were a bunch of Pentecostals shut up in the same room, and they were praying out loud to God. Getting down to business, business called prayer possibly the prayer meeting had been going on for several days without stop. Some believe it could have been going on for for several nights throughout the evening. Remember Paul's commendation of the Corinthian church in his second letter? He's telling them of all the troubles that he went through and how he expected to die. Even thought he was going to die, but God intervened. And their prayers for him and his associates played a very important role. Never underestimate the importance of your prayer. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. I love that phrase. <laughs> We quit relying on ourselves, but we relied upon the God who has resurrection power, who raises the dead. He did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Now, notice this. And you are helping us by praying for us. Did you know that when we pray, we're helping one another? When the church prays, we're helping our nation, we're helping our communities, we're helping our families. When the church prays, we're helping the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're helping your leaders. Did you know that? When we pray, we're helping one another. When God's people join together for collective and corporate prayer, miracles begin to happen. Now, I want you to read I want to talk about the activity of the Lord. We talked about the diabolical plans of Agrippa. We talked about the political climate of the day. And they had no control over those things. Just like you and I don't have much control as to what's happening today. But the Lord is protecting his purpose and his plan. Look at verse 6. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter, and the angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Now... I observed something that I think is really important. I mean, it's the night before he's going to go on trial. Now, if I'm Peter, I'm thinking this really isn't a trial. It's going to end in my death. But here Peter is, he's sleeping. Listen, a pandemic keeps me up at night sometimes. I know if I'm facing death the next day, I might worry a little bit. I might have a problem sleeping. But you see Peter is sleeping, and he's in a deep sleep. You say, well, how do you know he's in a deep sleep? Because the angel had to kind of strike him to wake him up. And he's in a fog here. I told the first service, it's like, it's like, it's like I got to do to my wife sometimes. She's snoring so bad at night, I got to knock her on the side and wake her up. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> I will pay for that later, but it's fun right now, though. <laughs> so I'm going to milk it. Let's go a little deeper. I'm teasing. The angel strikes him by the side. Get up quickly. Let's go. And it's really, really comical because Peter thinks he's in a, in a, in a vision. Peter doesn't realize it's, it's, it's actually happening until he gets outside the cell Until he's standing outside the gate. Why did I give the title that God's going to guard his plan? Because there are several times throughout Scripture that you read that God sent angels to intervene and put things back on course. That God sent angelic beings to deliver a message or to change a situation, and in this case, to deliver one of their leaders from a diabolical plan of an evil man. And I submit if God will do that, then God can do it for you. God can help you. Sometimes we become so discouraged because of the difficulty of the way. Sometimes we become so discouraged because we feel like that that, 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 that that no matter what you do, it seems as if evil triumphs. But hear me, God will protect his purpose. God will protect his plan corporately in government, but also for you individually. God will protect his plan over your life verse 9 I love this so Peter left the jail he walked right out of that prison now get it There's two guards he's fastened between. There are guards standing at the gate. And Peter, with the angel's help, walks right out of there. Rome thought they had secured him. But hear me, God freed him. The enemy may think he has you bound. But God's about to help you walk out of that prison. He's about to help you walk out of that situation. He's about to bring deliverance. Why? Because God is for you and not against you. He's got a plan to prosper you and anoint you and to bless you. Receive that in your life today. Receive it today. See, I believe the Lord is about to help some people walk right out of their situations. Some places where you thought the devil had you. But God is not finished with you yet. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, God's not finished with you. (laughs) I believe the Lord is about to walk some people right out of that prison cell and into your destined freedom. I believe the Lord's about to supernaturally move in such a way that it will confuse the enemy and God's purposes will be pushed forward and the enemy will be left confounded. Real quick, Luke places in the narrative the sudden death and demise of King Agrippa. Why did he put this in the Holy Scripture? Because it's a historical fact for one thing, Josephus confirms it. It was sudden, it was gruesome. It was a complete I believe Luke recorded this not only because of the historical fact but to show God's people that God's going to protect his purpose and plan and he will deal with the injustices of society God will deal with the injustices of society but then verse 24 says the word of God triumphed meanwhile The Word of God. While the enemy was constructing this evil plan, the enemy was trying to destroy the church, attack the leadership, the Word of God is going forward. And I need you to see this. No matter how discouraged you may be with the political climate that we are facing, no matter how discouraged you may feel like that your family is walking through, the Word of God is spreading. The Word of God is going forward. God is protecting His Word. God is protecting His plan. Isaiah said the Word of God shall never return void. It shall accomplish the purposes and plans of God. The Word of God is going forward today. People are being saved. Saved. Yes, the church is being attacked, but hear me, revival is breaking out. They say we can't meet like we used to meet, but hear me, we have a greater outreach than we've ever had before. God is working. God is moving. The word of the Lord is being proclaimed, and it's imperative That we continue to proclaim the Word of God. Verse 24, meanwhile, the Word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. Meanwhile, as in contrast to the political climate. What a wonderful picture of the Word of God continuing to advance. Chapter 12 opens with a diabolical plan of the political powers that be, trying to subvert... The plan of God. An all-out attack was launched on the leadership of the early church, but God intervened and miraculously moved on the church's behalf. And it closes with the word of God advancing and new believers being added. In the last verse of chapter 12, it says they sent Barnabas and they sent Paul out and they took John Mark with them. The church never lost focus. Their focus was to be a sending church. And may we never lose focus that we are meant to send people to the lost. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to share your word today. And Father, I pray. I pray, God, there are some who are walking through some very difficult, very difficult situations. There are some, God, who are walking through and they feel imprisoned by their circumstances. Like Peter. Peter locked up in that that jail cell. Guards on either side. God securely fastened that there's no possible way of escape. God, that's how they feel. And Lord, just as you supernaturally delivered Peter, I pray that you'll supernaturally instill hope in their life. I pray, God, I pray that supernaturally you'll bring deliverance. I believe that some are going to walk out of that prison. I believe there are some here today, their family is struggling. The enemy is set out to attack them and to destroy them. But God, they're about to come out into their destiny. And Lord, you are protecting your purpose. You're protecting your plan. And god i pray that the word of the lord will go forth from this place i pray god that collectively that we will band together and pray that we would pray we pray for the nations of the world we pray god for our nation we pray for our families we pray for our community we pray for our spiritual leaders lord there is hope there is hope today when god's people begin to pray There is hope because you're still on the throne. And I ask God that you would strengthen, that you would encourage. I pray, God, that you'll bring freedom in this place this day. We need you, Lord, in your presence. And God, may we never forget our mandate to be a sending church, to be a church that is generous, not only with Financial, but generous with our greatest resource, our people. May we send them forth as laborers in the harvest field. Mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand together, church. Let's spend a few moments worshiping God.